This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I want to start a series called, Can You Believe It? The Importance of Our Beliefs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. You're mindful of us. You've got good plans for us. Tonight, I ask you that you would give me words to speak that are clear, they're accurate. Father, open up our hearts that we're able to receive and see wondrous things from your word. Thank you for how you're working in us and changing us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. We believe we'll receive something good tonight from you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, is a, is a very uh, well-known verse. In verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I want to talk some about the importance of our beliefs and what we believe because it does matter. And it says here that if, if you're going to come to God, oftentimes you, you've heard people say, well, I want God to prove to me that he's real. And uh, you, you, don't, you don't get answers that way. If you're going to come to him, you come on his terms and you believe he's real before you, you get proof of it. Now, for many of us can talk about the reality of God in our lives, but it didn't start with that. He, we, we came to him. We believed. And so I, that, it's interesting, there's some words in there you've, you know, very rare to find in the Bible. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must. The word actually means it's necessary. So what we believe is important. What we believe about God is important. And I'll just talk about that because often our, our actions have been shaped by what we believe. And so it's always a good thing to go back and examine. What do I believe? Why do I believe it? And then, and then base beliefs or maybe even change some beliefs. And that's one of the, you know, the beautiful things. That's one of the things I really enjoy about Wednesday nights. I get a chance to teach. Because in, in teaching, you really get an opportunity to kind of dig in and then begin to, to look at some of these things and take some time with them. So let's just take a little bit. And, and we'll look at some of the beliefs. Jesus was talking to uh, one of the lawyers, and these, these lawyers were not lawyers in the sense that we think of a, a corporate lawyer or a, uh, a lawyer that sues somebody. These were lawyers, and they would take God's word, and they became experts in the law. And Jesus was talking to one of them in Luke, the 10th chapter, in verse 25 through 28. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Jesus asked him, what is your reading of it? When Jesus took this law expert, he's, he's asking Jesus this question, Jesus, how do I how do I get eternal life? I think it's very interesting that Jesus took him right back to the scriptures and said, what's written? How do you read it? Now, he's not talking about how you read it like I, would, like I just read that scripture passage. What Jesus is, is actually talking about is, is the perception of it. But I think it's interesting that he took this law expert back to the scriptures. And so there are, there are truths that scriptures will cover. 
and answers that the scriptures will cover. So this was one of them. And Jesus said, what's written? And so he was pointing him back to the, we, we would say the thing, pointing him back to the, to the Bible. We have the Bible. And there are a lot of questions that the Bible will answer. And, and so we just, we have, that's why it talks about reading it and studying it, rightly dividing it. We need to find out what it says because there's great answers there. Now, there's questions that obviously the Bible does not answer. Like it, it, the Bible talks about, for example, if you're a believer and you're single, the Bible says that you are to marry another believer because it says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So that, that's a scriptural standpoint. I've had people come to me. I met this person. They're wonderful. They're great. I said, are they a believer? They say, well, I don't know. How long have you been dating them? Three months. I'm going to go with no. If you've been dating someone three months and you can't tell whether or not they're a Christian, come on. Seriously? Three months? You can figure that with a lot of people. Some people, you can figure that out in three minutes. Three days. At the minimum, three weeks. You've been dating them three months? But everyone gets quiet on this. But the scriptures say, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do they, do they say that? So if you're praying, Lord, show me what to do about this individual. I love him. He is awesome. He's not a believer yet, but I'm going to reach him, Lord. I'm going to reach him. Well, I'm just telling you the scripture. Now, reach him, great. Don't marry him. Yeah. <laughs> Just giving you scripture. This is not Alan's opinion. This is this is his scripture. Now, scriptures don't tell you who to marry. It says don't marry an unbeliever if you're single. But they don't tell you you shall marry. There was no scripture that said you shall marry joy. Couldn't find it. There's one that said you shall go out with joy. Uh, ooh, a little, little tricky there. All right, no, no, that's not that's not good. That that. But there was no scripture. And, and that's, where, that's where having a relationship with God, that's where prayer comes in. That's where the leadership of the Spirit comes in. That's where it's good to have a love committee. A love committee is an unbiased group of people that care about you deeply and will tell you the truth. <laughs> you're just, this is, this is going to be a fun series. Trust me, I, you're, you're going to like this one. But... But the scriptures don't answer everything. But Jesus took him back to the scriptures. He was asking for his perception. He says, how do you read it? In other words, how do you see this? What do you believe about this? And when the, when the lawyer gave him the, the scriptures, Jesus told him, he said, that's right. He said, there's a right answer to that. So Jesus said, yeah, that, you, you answered correctly. And so there, the scriptures can give us, can give us the right beliefs. So if this guy was believing, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind, then Jesus is basically saying to him, that's right. That's where you can believe. What we believe is important. How we believe is important. You know, if you believe, maybe you've been raised that, that, that God really is mad at you. Or maybe you've been raised that God took a loved one when you were young. Or God caused some horrible thing to come across your life. If you if you believe that, 
that's going to impact your relationship with God. It's going to impact your relation, how you approach him. There's always this fear he's going to take from you. But maybe you've been raised differently. And you've been raised to believe that God's good. And he'll be good to you. And he's mindful of you. He'll bless you. That how you believe makes it very easy for you to go to him. Joy and I talked about the fact that uh, when we married, it was very easy for her to ask for money. That she, she just believed that God would be good to her and help her financially. I, have a hard t- I had a hard time asking for any kind of help from God. So why in the world, Alan? Why, why would you have a hard time asking for help from God? Because I was raised in a home where if, if, it was, if here's, the, here's the motto, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Anybody ever heard that one? And, and, and my dad, who grew up hard, tough life, he did not give out money easy. In fact, I think I've only asked him for money once or twice in my life. I would always go with deals. Dad, can I do this and I'll clean this and, and, and cut this and do this and, and get paid. So I was always used to earning money. But having a dad who just gave money, I was telling this to Joy the other day. I said, one time my dad reached in his wallet and pulled out money and gave it to me. I wish I'd kept it. <laughs> it, it, it almost, it just, I, I can tell you where I was standing and why, because it was so memorable to me. I always had to earn it, always had to work for it. And my dad's idea was he was afraid that if I got too dependent on him, I wouldn't be a man and wouldn't handle things. I bet you I'm not the only one that grew up like that. But the challenge with growing up like that is it's hard to relate and hard to believe in a very loving heavenly father who's very open and giving. Now, if you had one like that, it's probably very easy for you to ask for stuff, ask for anything. I've got a grandchild that will ask or anything. <laughs> All the time. In fact, she believes when she comes in my house that we are there for her. Yes. Pop, help me. Help me with this. Pop, can you get this? Pop. I mean, she, that, that girl would have me stepping and fetching all the time. I have to look at her and go, Pop's not doing that. Pop ain't, mm, Pop ain't playing. Stop. She asked. I, I, I told Matt, I said, she's going to be good. I said, we need, to, we need to put her in sales and we need to put her believe in God. She's going to ask. She's going to ask. But that's, but that's a, a different perspective. How you believe determines how you act and how you act towards God. There was a group of individuals that talked to, to Jesus one time. You ever hear about the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Those were not family clans. Those were like denominations. And so we would call them denominations in our day. Pharisees were very legalistic. They were very, man, they knew the word. They knew the, man, they knew, they kept it down to, I mean, they were the ones who would tithe if they got salt or pepper. They would tithe that. They were just extremely legalistic. Jesus had a lot of run-ins with the Pharisees. And that was the one group that Jesus was just pretty straight up with. But then there was another group called the Sadducees. Sadducees were a different group. 
Interesting about Sadducees is they came from the mostly affluent parts of society. They were very affluent, they were, but they were very heady. They knew the word, but they had their own interpretations of it. And the Sadducees believed in none of the supernatural. They didn't believe there's a resurrection. They didn't believe there was spiritual, there's a spiritual world. They did not believe there was a life beyond this one. Just very, you would almost call it them, they were the political group and they were social, but they, they had little arguments with Jesus. Now, their big deal was resurrection. And so they came up with this deal with Jesus, asked him a question. They said, Jesus, we've got this situation here where in the law, in the law of Moses, and that's the Old Testament, he said, if a man marries, marries a woman and he dies, then his brother, the Jewish law said the brother would marry the same lady and raise up children so for the first brother, so the first brother would not lose his heritage. That's how they did it. That would really mess things up around here, but here's, here's, that's how they did it. He said, so Jesus, here's what happened. So there, there's one, there's these seven brothers and these seven brothers, first brother married this one woman, he died, no kids. Second brother married the same woman, he died, no kids. And they took that all the way down to all seven married her, all seven died, none of them have kids. That, that woman was dangerous is what she was. She was... <laughs> She's the Bible example of a black widow. She got seven <laughs> and they're gone. But here's now, but here's what they start talking to Jesus. So Mark 12, verse 18. Then some of the Sadducees who said there is no resurrection came to him and they asked him that saying. So throw out the, the seven brother thing. Verse 24, Jesus answered them and said to them, are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. It's interesting how you said under the words, these Sadducees had their own beliefs. We don't believe there's a resurrection. And they asked Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're mistaken. Actually, actually, that's a nicer word. The actual word means deceived. He said, you're deceived. <laughs> you know, Jesus, everyone thinks that Jesus just like spoke in hushed tones. It's real sweet. He looked at this whole group of Sadducees and said, y'all are messed up. Y'all are deceived. And he told them they were deceived. He said, but the reason for their wrong beliefs, he said, they did not know the scriptures or the power of God. And so what Jesus did was he took them back to the scriptures. Here's an interesting thing. Jesus was not okay with their truth. That's a big word now. Everyone says, well, you have your truth and I have my truth and this is my truth. No, that might be your experience. But there is truth, and there are things that are not true. And so we're ones that believe that Jesus is true, God's true, his word's true. And so we begin to look for scriptures to find truth. 
And it's in scriptures that you find what's true. So you don't want to be hanging on to something that's not true. You don't want a belief that's not true. When Joy was desperately sick, we, uh, we had some friends who were believers. And we actually had a big bone of contention over the idea that God would heal. Now, my wife, I have, at that time, I had a, um, I think Matt was nine, Christina was six, and Michael was a newborn. And I had a wife that, that it looked like it was touch and go whether or not she was going to even make it or not. But what, what Joy and I believed, we believed that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the scripture. We believe that. We believe that he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. We believe that himself took our sins in his own body on the cross, that we have died to sins, that we might live for righteousness, and by his stripes we were healed. So we believed that there, is, there was no day of miracles. We believe there's a God of miracles, and he hadn't changed. So what we believe was based on scriptures. But our friends who did not believe that continually were pounding joy on God doesn't heal. You need to take sending joy actual articles about people who died from what she had to prove a truth. Well, that was their truth, but they were mistaken. Not knowing the scriptures or the power of God, because my wife is healed today, and the Lord, and the Lord healed her. So, but here, here's the thing. So, so many things in, in life come down to that, but here, here's the challenges. All of us were raised in an environment. Maybe you were raised in a Christian environment. Maybe you were raised in an environment that was not Christian. All of us have formed beliefs, but the idea is we have to look at those beliefs and go, are those beliefs accurate? Do they line up with scriptures? That's why we've said around here, we say, Alan, why do you go through so many scriptures? On Wednesday night, you just read so many scriptures and we go through scriptures because scriptures and scriptures and you prove scriptures by scriptures, but scriptures give us truth and truth enables you to stand and truth enables you to be free. And when you find out the truth that Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free because if there's a truth that can make you free, there's a lie that can put you in bondage. You see, there's a lie that's told people that they don't count and they don't matter and that God doesn't care, but that's a lie that puts people in bondage. He paid a huge price for us. He loves us. He's a loving father. He's a giving father. It said, if he did not even spare his own son, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? He's a good God. And we, we, pre we preach good God because he is good. And that's a truth that'll set you free. Here's the thing that you might be bound by addiction. You might be bound by depression. You might, they might have told you that you're bipolar. We don't believe that has to be the last word. Amen. That there is a God who still does amazing things. And when you know the scriptures and his power, it opens up a whole new world to you. And then you're not looking at situations going, there's nothing we can do because we're looking to God going, with God, there's always a way. There's always something we can do. That's that's when we begin to discover there's truth. And our whole Christian walk is a process of understanding his truth in our lives. His, the truth about him, the truth about us. And truth makes you free. Amen. It'll make you a happy Christian. I believe we need more happy Christians. 
Happy Christians are good advertisement. <laughs> really? I mean, seriously, yeah. How many of you know people who are just, you, you get around them and, and it's like they bring the cloud with them. <laughs> they walk into a room and you feel like the temperature just goes. <laughs> but then how many of you know people who when they come in, man, they, it, they just, they bring a life into it. You say, well, you know, Alan, I, I just don't have that kind of personality. Well, here's some truth. The truth is you're a new creation in Christ. Yes. The truth is that you're, that you're, actually the Bible said you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priest of the holy nation. His own special people that we would show the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the truth is, whether, it's, whether you have an effervescent personality or not, you can bring life and light into any situation you go in. You can just bring it with you. So it's understanding what to believe, truth, and uh, let me see if I got time to. I do not. I was going to launch into something. It's going to lead me about halfway. Here's. I'm launching anyway. Okay, here we are. Yeah, out, don't. Come on. Fear not. I do not have Keith's anointing. I will leave you at eight, at eight, 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 eight o'clock. We'll be rolling out of here. Here's. Here's the importance of right belief. Jesus talked about the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, let me just read this. For verse, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, called his own servants, delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. By the way, uh, talents, sometimes we looked at talents like he gave one $5, one $2, and one $1. Actually, these talents, according to that time, come up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. They, they weren't, it wasn't a five. He didn't reach in his pocket and go, here's a five for you, and you get two, and you get one. There was a lot of money. I'll look it up for you next week. But it, it, was, it was a lot of money. Verse 22, he who also had received the two talents. So he came back and, and uh, was getting an account for them. How have you done? He also, the five talent guy had already weighed in. He also received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you'd not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. Now here's, here's where I want to subscribe to you that the one talent guy had wrong beliefs. He believed that his Lord was hard and a thief. He said, you're a hard man. That word hard actually means, it means the first, it means hard, it means tough, but it also was used to relate to crooked, fierce, Violent and offensive. I knew you to be, in other words, man, you're, you're a bad guy. You are offensive. You're, you're mean. And I, I knew you to be that way. And he said, and he said, you reap where you haven't sown seed. Well, if you reap where you haven't sown seed, that's like going in someone, a farmer plants crops and you go in there and, and take all, you're a thief. And this guy looks, he said, I knew you to be this. But here's the challenge. 
That's not what the master really was. His beliefs were wrong. Because we've already seen that the master won. He gave each of his servants, he gave them resources to work with. Number two, he rewarded them according to if, if they produced. So he rewarded them. He didn't just take his stuff back and go, great, thanks. He said, well done. Good and faithful servant. You're faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. So he rewarded them with more than what they'd actually done. You might want to work for somebody like that. Someone who acknowledges you did a good job and says, hey, you did such a good job. Here's a bonus and it's twice your salary. Touchdown. Good boss. And then he didn't even criticize. He didn't say, two, all you got is four. How come you didn't do as well as the other guy? So he didn't criticize them. He rewarded them. And then he said, enter into the joy of your Lord. So he said, that's, that's a good person. But the one talent guy said, I, I know you to be hard. I know you to be fierce. I know you to, to steal, to take. Oh, how many people know God to be hard, fierce, someone who will take from them, which is why we have, one of the reasons we have this church, so we can share with them that that's not our God. Our God's good. He's merciful. He's kind. He's loving. He's giving. He's real, real, real good. And when, you, and when you believe that, it makes it easier to pray. It makes it easier to ask forgiveness when you, when you mess up because you know he's not going to reject you. It makes it so much easier if you know him to be that. That's why what you believe matters. So I just want to take just a few weeks and we'll talk about this. And we'll just talk about, can you believe it? God's so good. He's a whole lot gooder than we've made him out to be. How many of you know when we get to heaven, we're probably going to be going, oh, Lord, if I'd, known, if I'd known you were this good, you'd have been like my granddaughter. I need you to help. I need you to, would you do this? Would you get me? Would you help me? Would you do this? If you know he's good, it, it, it changes, it changes everything. Bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace to us. Thank you that we have the capacity to believe it and have it work in our lives. And we're grateful for that. And Father, I thank you for every individual here. Thank you that, that your plan for them is good. You're mindful of them. You think about them. And your plans aren't for destruction or decrease. They're for increase. Blessing enhanced ability, good things. Thank you for that. You are good. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This evening, if you happened to come and said, you know what, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm just, I'm not sure, but I want to be. Or maybe you're in a situation where you said, you know, I used to have a relationship with the Lord and I, man, I've gotten so far away from him. I don't even know I've done stuff. I don't even know if he'll take me back. I got good news for you. He will. And all you have to do is make the move. You'll draw close to him. He'll draw close to you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm not going to have you.
to stand up or come to the front. Our purpose is not to single you out or embarrass you, but if that's you that I'm talking to tonight, you say, Alan, I, I want to be sure of my relationship with the Lord, or Alan, I want to come back to him, and I would like for you to pray for me. If that's you, I just want to get you to do one thing. Just slip your hand up across the auditorium. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hands have gone up all over. Anybody else? Wonderful. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you didn't lift your hand and thought that you missed your opportunity, this is still a prayer from the heart. And so we're going to pray it with you out loud. All I need you to do is pray it with us. Pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray this prayer. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior. It's the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. I thank you, Lord, for their lives and how precious they are to you. We rejoice with them as they've come out of darkness into your marvelous light. And if some have come home forgiven. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.